0: I'm here, as always, with my um beautiful blonde mulleted friend Ben
1: hey, Hi, how ben. you doing?
0: I'm good. How is your gorgeous mullet uh
1: I don't want to paint an awful picture for the listener, but it's fucking gross right now <laughs> i just I spent a large portion of the day uh just sort of passing in and out in the heat over the top of an orbital sander, and I am have not showered yet uh, out of laziness. Mm -hmm. I'm very sweaty, and I'm covered in sawdust, and it is in every part of my body. Uh, I look like shit. I feel great. Cool.
0: (laughs) Nothing like a hard day of work.
1: Well, it wasn't (laughs) that hard. It was not that long. And then I finished the sanding, and I realized that I had horrendously fucked up uh, very, very early on in the planning process of the coffee table that I'm making, and I cannot attach the bottom half to the top half. Uh, so I kind of mm. took the rest of the
0: afternoon off to cry a little bit. Fundamental error, really. You gotta. <sighs> hey, here's a here's a bit of advice for you. Uh, measure twice, cut once.
1: You know what? I always think about that because a character in uh, *New Romancer* says that that book deal never finished. <laughs> no, I finished *New Romancer. Oh, I thought you said you did like. No, no, it's good. Oh, oh I'll, no. I will take off that. <laughs> Yeah, you know, silent
2: Please. grudge I've been holding against Goodness. you for ages Goodness gracious, it's a great
0: oh, book. And of course, here is the man who has finished Hello uh, William Gibson's Neuromancer like I thought you get a safe log
2: f- Finished uh, finished his stir-fry <laughs> Finished
0: was both eating William Gibson's Neuromancer and his stir-fry That I was Theo. eating
2: right up until the point we started recording And then about 30 seconds after as well
0: Yeah, uh, It's Theo, Theo. Hey Hello, hello. Uh, we are joined by a guest this week. Uh, we are joined by our good friend of the show, Jeremy Poxon. How are you? Good, gentlemen. How are you? I think we're all we're all pretty good and all pretty sweaty. It's a heat wave, baby. Um,
2: we're all uh, stuck to our horrible leather chairs. Yep. Making gross squeaky noises as we shift from cheek to cheek. I think <laughs> that's just you. I'm yeah. almost
1: certain that's just you. Mm, yeah, mine's well, are upholstered in a sort of... Seventies fabric. It's not
3: really a leather oh,
2: type sounds, deal. That sounds nice.
3: Ooh. No, it's I think it might have had bed bugs when we got it. I've been using my uh, eight dollar <laughs> per fortnight uh Centrelink Energy supplement to uh uh blast my uh twenty dollar Aldi fan, uh full blow at my face. Um, so that's how I'm getting through uh the heat wave. Surviving, doing doing good. And they sell everything at Aldi, don't they? Absolutely, that, that middle that middle section. That, uh, mm, that, that uh, mysterious that middle section. Lucky dip. They lift it in on a pallet in the forklift and they just
2: dump it there and who knows what you're going to find.
0: Um, I, I go over there sometimes at lunchtime just to pick up like some, some uh, UHT milk, some cheap coffee pods for the old office job. And there's just always, there's always a little crowd of uh, mystery seekers, you know, pouring around the middle. No matter what time of the day you go over there, they're over there.
1: People really do go nuts for that shit. I remember, like, one time when I was in uni, for some reason, one of their random central portion objects was, like, horrible guitar pedals. And I had, like, just bought a guitar (laughs) and was like, you know what I really need? I need a $14 Aldi Overdrive pedal. And then I went to, like, three Aldis around the city and they had all already sold. That was, like, the day that they got them in. People just
0: fucking, whatever it is, they'll do it. It's probably for the best that you didn't, didn't wind up them. <laughs> with yeah, a probably. $14 Aldi overdrive pedal. Um, so Jeremy joins us today to have a bit of a chat about some of the work he's been doing recently um, around, I guess, um, what's, what's the best way to describe it, around, uh, I suppose, issues that affect uh, unemployed people, welfare recipients, and just broadly speaking... Um, the Australian government's atrocious treatment of those people.
3: Yeah, that's about that's, that's Is that a fair way to characterise it. That's about right. Yeah, I, you know, I try to call myself a, a welfare rights advocate or or, or activist, um, which um, you know sounds like a weird uh, thing to be. Um, you know, for some people, especially some people who still like to uh, think that we're you know living in a uh, you know kind of uh, fair go. Uh, paradise, Um, but sadly, um, you know, especially over the last um, five years, um, you know, Australia's really developed um, one of the nastier um, social security systems um, in the OECD, Um, so um, myself as part of, so I'm part of the Australian Unemployed um, Workers' Union and we were really born out of, um, we started in about 2014. Um, but there's been unemployed workers' unions in this country since since the Great Depression, since the 30s, but we were we were really born out of um, the Abbott government um, coming in um, in 2014, and, and one of the things they did was, or well, he did, because um, Work for the Doll was really is really Tony's baby, he loves it, um, is quadruple the size of the program um, and put heaps more people um, into it. So a bunch of us who sort of founded and started um, the union were sort of, you know, on the brunt of this sort of new wave um, of neoliberal sort of uh, coalition uh, politicians, uh, you know, really ramping down um, compliance, um, you know, really um, upping penalties, you know, cutting programs. Um, so yeah, we we're really um, born out of that, and, and all the campaigning um, that we do now comes from comes from that sort of that sort
0: of horrible period that sadly we're we're still in. Yes, if there's one thing that Tony Abbott and his kind love more than anything else, it's just um, really, really raking people over the coals to make sure that they, they count as a human um, who is, you know, the right kind of person, the right kind of person who's worthy of, of being helped. Um, just, just, yeah, all the, all the means testing and the qualifying factors and the general dehumanization of people. It's pretty unfortunate stuff. I just you- had a I just had a flashback, like when when you were saying uh, Tony Abbott coming in five years ago, which was I just had a, a sudden moment of oh yeah, remember Tony Abbott's Green Army? Hmm. That was that was all. Uh, hey, we'll give we'll give all these people something to do, kind of kind of deal, wasn't it? Well, he's he's a, he's a weird one because worked for the doll, so really.
3: Um, it becomes a policy um, in the Howard, you know of so the Howard year so 1997 1998 um, and that's when Tony's the employment uh, minister um, and Ooh. you sort of um, you know did some some research um, recently and digging back into that sort of era, um, he puts um, this idea that you know poor people have to work um, to receive you know new start or income support um, you know as you know almost as like part of, Um, one of the top pillars of his faith like he you know he thinks uh, really in his in his mind that um, this is like a moral imperative and that's really where work for the doll um, comes from where he thinks um, forcing uh, forcing us into you know basically uh, free labor uh, for our welfare Um, so um, and that's where this i'm not sure if you guys have seen it but it was in the year 2000 and there's this amazing video um, where Tony goes out to work for the doll site, you know, because it is his baby um, and he spends a whole day uh, it's still on YouTube, it's 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 one of the most remarkable <laughs> pieces of footage where you sort of see him um, out in one of these sort of uh, outdoor uh, laboring sites just like, you know, trying to dig holes and just like fucking it up um, immensely oh. like you know it's 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 comical he's like pushing a wheel you know pushing wheelbarrow wheelbarrows over that are like falling down hills <laughs> you see it you see him on like a lunch break just like hassling this like poor like work for the doll participant he just wants to like eat his sandwich in peace uh, before he you know gets oh. forced back for the for the rest of the day but he's got tony there talking about like how good a program it is so yeah you're right all that sort of green jobs all this all this sort of idea that um you know welfare recipients have to have to endure labor um and meet you know a mutual obligation this whole idea that you know you know really eroded this whole idea that you know as citizens we're entitled um to our entitlements um you know tony tony really had a had a big hand um in in getting rid of sort of um you know this idea that you know social security is a universal right um where you know to the point where it is now where you know um you know you have to work uh For nothing, for fifty hours a week, just to get your, you know, uh, lowly new start.
0: Well, it it makes you think of like the the commonly accepted term for it as well. Used to be safety net, Hmm. like a social safety net. The idea was that if you had fallen out of employment and you know were struggling to find something else for a while, that this safety net would be there to help you with the necessities until you could get back to the position that you were at and and yeah very obviously this whole type of political ideology just completely completely dismisses that as an idea that that this is just something that should be there for the citizenry of a country to say this is a thing that we can fall back on and rely on in times of need Mm. And instead, it's like no, no. You should you should actually be doing a, a specific job in exchange for this thing, as opposed to this is the thing that's meant to be helping you while you get back to the kind of job that you would normally be working.
3: Right, and it's sort of you know, and that's part of you know a sort of broader um, you know not just like material shift in our economy, but you know, I guess uh, you know the ideological shift um, because you know Australia you know once had you know a great uh, social security. Uh, system and then of course um, you know we get the we get the neoliberal turn um, which of course does a lot of you know material um, things um, uh, to our economy and, and casualization starts and and all sorts of things but um, uh, you know, how insidious sort of our um, our culture uh, became you know became from one that you know as you were saying sort of um, is all about sort of um, you know this collective spirit and, and needing a safety net and everyone's entitled to it, you know really becomes that you know people are individually responsible for their success um, and their failure. and that's really sort of you know in our economics, um, in our welfare policy, um, sort of all across the board, what sort of starts feeding in as like the mainstream um, discourse and that anyone who re- you know relies on anyone who relies on welfare is is sort of in 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 that sense. Um, damaging the growth, or taking money away from the working class, or or that kind of thing, and those sorts of you know nasty rhetoric, um, you know, which you see, uh, f- you know, from certain certain publications uh, in the Australian mediascape, uh, still running with.
2: Um, and it's interesting you mentioned like you know that that people are meeting their their having to meet their mutual obligations for. Um, for, for their benefits and that sort of thing and something that's sort of come out of, of you know the reporting that that, uh, that you've um, sort of been been doing and, and um, some of the pieces that we've been looking at is you know this concept of of demerit points and like this whole this whole scoring system where people have to people are, are, are graded for their their you know obligations and 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 if they they miss certain things based on different factors they can end up losing mm. their payments um, you know lots and lots of stuff like that and it's just I don't know to me it's 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 just this whole bizarre world that I that I just um, you know wasn't wasn't truly aware of um, you know how gamified this thing is that mm. they they've tried to you know make it so means tested and, and what does that look like what like what is what how is this system set up and and how do people get get like i guess punished into homelessness by it
3: right um and yeah i really relate to sort of what you're saying because you know like probably a lot of us um you know in my late teens um early 20s so that's almost that's about 10 years ago now is, you know sort of when i first went on a new start and the system kind of sucked then Um, But I went off it and and got work and traveled um, and only really got, you know, back onto the system, you know, when I was sort of moving. um, So, you know, a few years ago and it was absolutely remarkable sort of how much um, this system, as you say, was gamified and how much um, it's changed um, to the point now where. um, So last July, um, there was a huge welfare reform sort of package um, passed. Uh, Where uh, job agencies now have been granted unprecedented powers um, to be able to inflict uh, punishments and financial penalties um, on newstart recipients um, without any oversight from Centrelink. So that's like this is a completely new thing Um, in you know in Australian society. We've never had a situation. Uh, in our welfare system where um, privatized uh, job agents have had the power to um, cut you uh, from your payments. Uh, And the tool they've been given since July by the government is this demerit point system, um, which essentially does function and look like uh, the kind of demerit points you'll get uh, for speeding uh, or or committing a traffic infringement, because apparently, uh, you know, uh, not filling out your twenty jobs a, a fortnight, or uh, not going to your uh, job agent, is as dangerous for society as uh, running a red light. Um, so, um, and that's uh, you know, and and that's something uh, you know. These points, uh, each point you get, um, you know, you you get kicked off uh, payment, or you. Um, you know, you, you receive a penalty and it's something that, that can't be appealed. You basically, this is, you know, sort of the first time this has ever happened where you're basically, you know, you're stuck with it um, up until up until you amass um, four or five of these things and then you can launch an official, official appeal. So, um, yeah, never in, you know, this sort of, you know, welfare system, social security system have um, completely um, privatized um, corporations um being able to um basically um you know punish um and humiliate uh, citizens at will and there was this horrible and sort of it's 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 coming to a zenith now there's this horrible story published in the guardian this morning um about um homeless australians um and how many thousands of them um are being um you know punished by this system which makes complete sense because um who you know who is the least able to um, go to a job interview, uh, go to their job agent. Mm-hmm. Know, these are people who are struggling to put food on the table, put you know get fuel in the car. Um, and obviously they're feeling the brunt um, of this system because there was a little caveat, you know because you know, people have always been um, given penalties under this system. but before July, Centrelink were able to overturn any decision if, if, it, if it would, I think I'm quoting here, if it would cause unreasonable harm, to the participants. So there's all these like caveats in here just as a protective mechanism. So it wouldn't like fuck people over too badly. Um, but the coalition has removed even that like safety gap. Um, so we're seeing, you know, what we're sort of seeing um, now. So, you know, in the last year, um, you know, uh, you guys and, and listeners might've noticed there's just even more extreme um, stories um, of people just being um, cut off benefits um, willy nilly because there's just no um, sort of safety mechanisms and there's no one overseeing um this industry that's that's doing it to people either that i mean that's the craziest part to me that there is
2: um that it it's it's a guilty until proven innocent sort of system right so they they just say well you know and, and it's it's not just like missing um missing you know job interviews or what have you but you know there's there's been a bunch of cases where people have been double booked um, by, mm-hmm. you know, the employment agents um, and they go, hey, I can't actually go to both of these and they hear nothing back and then, you know, what do you know, they get dinged for not going to a job interview which is physically impossible yeah, because they've been double
3: booked. That's right and it's, yeah, you know, I got a, so we have a, one of the services the AEW provides is we have like an advocacy um, hotline where people can sort of call in um, to get advice, uh, help. Uh, or just you know, you know some you know um, for us to sort of translate the social security law and system for them because that stuff can be complicated. Um, but we got a few people um, calling in. It was Invasion Day or Australia Day, whatever whatever we call it. Uh, recently, it was a public holiday. Um, you know, for some states, all states um, on that Monday, um, and someone called in basically to say that you know they'd been. Uh, given an activity to do but it was impossible to do because everywhere was closed um, but it's one of those things where whether it's like a an, an individual job agent made an error whether it's like um, this like digital algorithm that sort of exists and like spits out activities um, and punishments to people um, but it's sort of this combination that whatever goes wrong it's the individual who's you know immediately sort of copying it um, and to blame and that's sort of couched under um, you know this sort of uh, you know coalition and labor let's let's not left, let labor off the hook sort of rhetoric that this is making the this is making the system more efficient um, this is uh, enabling them to take money back um, out of the system to unburden the budget which is really like the driving uh, the driving force um, you know behind everything they they want to make uh, everyone in the system as at you know, least quote-unquote welfare dependent um, as possible, you know what way? What better way <laughs> uh, to do that than than making the system uh, as it is, yeah, just, just continually you punish, punishing? Yeah.
0: And th- and that's what's I think that's what's the most obscene to me about it is this constant driver of, you know, we need to we need to reduce the amount of money we're spending on it, and so for that reason we will come up with these various automated mechanisms for doing it, like the whole robo debt. Fiasco, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. still going on, if, yep. I'm, if I'm not mistaken.
3: It is. I got um, my, uh, I, uh, I had a call, you know, had a call um, by a Centrelink compliance officer late last year uh, to tell me that I had a, a robo debt, and I got into a bit of an argument uh, with this bloke um, over the phone because um, he was basically um, kind of like you were saying, saying, Ben, just kind of, you get this like phone call, you get this guy. Um, sort of telling you you're guilty of something you don't even know what you're guilty of, <laughs> um, yet. Um, so I was having this like terse argument with this guy, but but apparently I've got a robodet, debt, um, you know, coming coming in the mail uh, at at some point, um, you know, which is just sort of a, a horrible thing, uh, you know, to think about that's being imposed,
0: um, you know, well, on people. Well, I think when they first. But when they first started doing them, they weren't even calling people, were they?
3: No, no, you just yeah, it, you you just you just get you just get a
0: letter. Automatically generating notices to say, yeah. you know, we've 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 cross references we've cross referenced these two records against each other. Um computer thinks there is some form of discrepancy, and the onus is now on you to prove that this thing is actually not the case within thirty days, otherwise you're on the hook for it. And also mm. we have immediately sent this thing to a debt collector. Mm. And, and yeah, but- the
1: yep. the algorithm they were using at first, or I don't even know if they ended up changing it or not, to determine whether or not you had been paid in excess was just horribly flawed. Like you would just have to do have one odd month or something and it would throw everything out of whack.
0: Well yeah, uh, I think I think the deal was was that it basically was unable to the the mechanism that they were using was unable to account for any of those human factors that are involved in this because at the end of the day these are all people these are all people living their lives and mm. in their individual situations which is why you need to have a person look at this and talk to someone and say can you tell me what was going on at this point and like that doesn't even take into account any of the concerns around you know if you just generate a notice and send it to somebody like People can have all kinds of different situations, whether they be, you know, maybe you have English as a second language, maybe you are illiterate, maybe you have an intellectual disability and you are just sent this notice that says Hmm. you owe us $20,000, pay it within 30 days or it goes to something else. Like, in in a lot of cases, what they were asking people to do was, you know, you have to produce records of what you were paid at different jobs at different times going back six years in order to prove that this, you know, that this discrepancy does not actually exist. And, and I'm pretty sure that Centrelink's own guidelines at that point were saying you only need to keep your own records going back like x number of years it was only sort of two years or something like that and they were sending people notices and saying you need to produce documentation of something from four or five or six years ago it
1: was Hmm. operating literally the same way as i know there's a fucking term for it and i can't remember what it is but you know it's was happening a lot with the copyright holders of movies i think when they were getting those notices that people were torrenting their movies and they'll be like you owe us five thousand dollars and we'll make it all go away and then, you know, they're kind of hoping that uh, people that aren't so computer literate or just don't really know how things work will be like, oh shit, instead of realizing that it's just an empty threat. You know, people will fork out this money immediately, not realizing that there's a chance that they are either wrong or that they're not legally justified in asking for that or whatever. It was a fucking horrible thing to do.
0: Well, it's even just, I mean, what like what you're talking about there is is basically the same the same principle that all all spam email scams operate on which is that if you blast out you know 10 million of these things and 0.01% of people respond and say I'll give you the money then you're doing really well but uh, I think what was so what was so horrible about what they were doing with that was I think that they were fully aware of the fact that all they were doing was you know, cross-referencing two tables of data with all of this ambiguous, uh, all this ambiguous information in between and saying there is a possibility that there is a discrepancy here and you have been overpaid or not paid something back you were supposed to, but without ever finding out whether that was the case, immediately issuing debt notices to all of those people and saying the onus is on you. To provide us, the agency that is supposed to be administering this program and this information, with evidence that this is not the case. Yeah, that's and if right. If you that's... cannot do so within time, then then you will be penalised for this thing that we have not necessarily even proved is true.
3: Yeah, basically they had they had two sets of data, right? They had um, what uh, job seekers are reporting um, in their income as their income by uh, Centrelink. They had that crossed over very crudely. Um, with like the ATO uh, receipts um, uh, biannually uh, maybe. Um, and if those uh, if those two sets of data uh, didn't sync up, um, you know people have been uh, issued a Robo debt, um, which is incredibly ludicrous uh, when you consider, um, as Andrew was touching on, all these sort of mitigating you know circumstances, especially you know probably first and foremost, um, you know the fact that how many people, are um, in casual work, uh, at, you know, at the moment, um, you know, working different hours um, each fortnight, which was something the algorithm just couldn't tolerate um, at all. So um, people were being robo-debted because, um, you know, there was discrepancies in income, but only because there was discrepancies in the amount of hours um, that they work. Or if people got hospitalized, um, you know, in the, middle, in the middle of the year um, and had to take time off work, um, and then came back to work. That caused a discrepancy. So there's all these things, all these factors, um, just not taken into account um, at all. Um, and people were just immediately sent. Um, you know, you know these, you know these debts. They had to, you know, they had to fight like hell. But even before, you know, even before all this, um, you know, the government also knew just how few, just how little a problem that uh, purposeful uh, welfare fraud is um i'm not sure if you guys have seen uh those figures but it's like less than 0.01 of a percent of australians oh, yeah, like yeah, purposely yeah. commit welfare fraud so here they are building this like enormous dragnet um you know based on the um, perceived guilt on such a tiny fraction of the
0: population that's so right it's because because they did like a big task force didn't they they had like a big task force that was about cracking down on on welfare fraud. Mm-hmm. And when they, when they got back with this thing of saying, you know, we combed through tens of thousands of cases and we found like eight people, mm-hmm. you know. And that and that, like, that sort of brings me to, like, like linking that to what I was saying earlier about what, what disgusts me personally about this whole thing is this idea that it's so important to claw some of this money back that you're willing to, you know, dehumanize and, and destabilize the lives of so many people and to put all of this pressure and all of this, you know, onus to do the work on people who are, are at a point in their life where they are in need. They need mm. assistance from the society that they live in. And instead you're saying to them, well, you got to, you know, you got to jump through all these hoops, you got to do all this stuff. And if you fall at any step of the way, we're going to immediately use that as our justification for pulling the rug out from under you. And I I was having a conversation with somebody recently about some of this sort of stuff. And, you know, they they kind of, uh, they said, oh, well, you know, I'm, I I disagree with the idea that everybody is necessarily, like, owed a living, you know, that the, some people who don't want to work or whatever. And I said, look, I I think that, yeah, there probably are some people out there who genuinely just don't want to work, don't want to do anything for whatever reason. I think that they are a small minority. And I think the part of the cost of living in like a just and fair society that treats people reasonably is to say, we'll carry the burden of of just some people who are like, I'd rather just I'd rather just do nothing. Like even if if you want to get down like right to the stereotype of the person who wants to do nothing but smoke cones and play Xbox all day and be a trash bag or whatever. I I am willing to say I would rather collectively as a as a society we just said, yes, there's going to be a sliver of people who do that and in order to 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 do that it means that we can support all of the people who really need assistance in their time of need. As opposed to saying we're so desperate to make sure that nobody gets away with anything Hmm. that we're willing to punish disabled people and single mothers and the mentally ill and like people who are suffering from downturns in the economy that we caused with our fucking terrible policies and casualization of the workforce. It... It makes me think a lot of like a a guy I worked with like a decade ago, right? This guy was my boss and he was a very strange unit. And I remember having a conversation with him just like broadly about the concept of justice, you know, but the bell curve of justice. And he was like, look, would you rather live in a society where like, uh, nobody, nobody who's committed a murder ever gets away with it, but there are a bunch of innocent people in prison for life for a murder they didn't commit. Or would you rather live in a society where there are some people walking around free who got away with murder, but there's no innocent people in jail. And I was like, the second one, <laughs> the second one, you madman! I was like, who gets shown that scenario and goes, look, a bunch of innocent people being in prison for life I can handle that as long as no one gets away with anything. <laughs> I just, I couldn't believe... He said he, he was absolutely in favor of the first one, which blew my brain out of my skull, my but young think, brain.
3: I think uh, you'd be surprised with how many people uh, would agree um, with that guy because, you know, as as, as, yeah. as you're alluding to, the, that is like the twisted logic um, that runs through that system. But, you know, going back to sort of like... Um, you know bludgers um you know as as welfare recipients let's just like you know be real that you know there's like bludgers and dickheads through like all strata of society um you know there'd be at any workplace you know there is that bludger um or dickhead who you probably think you know probably shouldn't be there and you'd rather not but you're not going to wish him um you know you're not going to wish him hopefully um you know to be destitute to lose his job um bludges in parliament bludges um as ceos you know all th- all th- all throughout but i just try to take people back um to the government's own data that you know if 99.99 whatever uh, percent of people are entering you know especially new start um you know that many you know vast vast majority of people enter new start um in good faith um uh, desperately wanting to work um unable to work um the data also shows that the main reason people can't get work is there aren't enough jobs available um in our yes. in our economy yes. um <laughs> rather than um so that's sort of uh, that's that's the main this is the main uh, rhetoric i try to use um because as you guys might imagine i come across a lot of people you know, I get a lot of threats through that, uh, that Twitter, like other, other folder, request folder. Um, you know, people yeah. uh, wanting to do me harm um, for sticking up for bludgers and, and the rest of it. But really my like main rhetorical um, trick, um, I guess, what's well, not even a trick because it's just the truth, is to try and sort of inform them of what the labor market um, is like at the moment, that there is just like, you know, a surplus of people um, locked out of work uh, through no fault um of their own and to put the question back on those people you know what do you want them what do you want them to do um um really and i feel the responses you get from people um after that point uh, can be interesting
0: well that makes me think of um yeah coming coming back to that whole concept again of the government saying ah well if you want to collect new start you have to apply for, what is it, 20 jobs a month? or yep. Yeah. You have to apply for 20 jobs a month, um, and you have to approve it, and you have to contact these job agencies that we put you in touch with and follow up on all the things that they line you up with. And there are a bunch of obvious problems with, with this, including, as you said, that there are often... Uh, Often, like the number of people applying for jobs massively outstrips the number of jobs available.
2: yeah, can uh, I say that if you have to r- apply for twenty jobs a month to get a job, perhaps the problem is not with the applicant. perhaps mm. the problem is with the job market. I'm just putting that out there, just a little um little, little, just maybe, uh, just little maybe. thought bubble we can float up that uh it shouldn't take twenty job applications in a decent job market, uh, to come up with a wealthful employment.
0: But also it, it creates other issues as well. Like my own, my own experience with stuff like Newside is very limited in that, um, I've only sort of, I've only I've been very lucky in that I've only had the one period in my career where I was out of work for like several months in between, um, like moving between cities Mm -hmm. kind of what you were referring to before jerry and um i i very wisely chose to move off the back of uh, a company that i was working for um going under because it turned out that they were um stealing everybody's money which is what you want from a small business um and I decided to move into state, and this was like right as the GFC was, was hitting its peak point. Right. And it took, it took me longer to find work than I expected. And I sort of got to a point where I went, Oh, I'm, I'm going to have to try and, you know, register for new start and that sort of thing. So I started going through that process and was put in touch with, with the job agencies that they put you in touch with. So, um, you know, and granted this was years ago, But the thing that I remember about this was that, you know, I I had gone to a form of higher education and I had worked consistently up until that point. And so I had a bunch of very specific qualifications and you go to these job agencies and they say, okay, these are the kinds of jobs that we have for you. And, and they're all like, Um, you know, a lot of them are are, are like service industry kind of stuff or low level sorts of things. And I remember them saying to me, there is no point in you applying for any of these jobs because you're overqualified for all of them. Mm. And they know that you are out of work currently and you will be looking for work in the industry that you work in. And as soon as you receive a job in that, you will leave this place. So as far as they're concerned, there is no point in employing you. Uh, to work for any of these sorts of jobs. And so it just turns into this col- like colossal snake-eating-its-own-tail thing of the government saying, to prove to us that you are looking for a job, you must dedicate this much of your time to applying for these jobs through this job agency, that the job agency is telling you that none of these people will ever give to you while you, outside of that, Go about the normal efforts that you would be going through to get a job in the field you are actually qualified to work in. Yeah, which it's I think like, is probably uh, a lot of people's actual experiences of that.
3: Yeah, what you what you're sort of in in uh, social security speak, um, you would you there's there's different streams for different uh, job seekers, right? So um, you would have been a stream A uh, job seeker um, in that instance, whereby basically stream A means you're Um, You know, you've got a decent background, you're presentable, um, you've got qualifications, um, you know, you're the most sort of, I guess, privileged job seeker um, in the system. And a Stream A, and that's when, um, you know, job agents uh, use the term parking, where sort of, as you say, the jobs they have available, um, they know you can't, you know, really get um, your skills and qualifications are sort of above um, that level. Um, They can't really do anything um, to help you. Um, directly, but they still need to force you to, you know, go through this, like, Mickey Mouse routine um, of, like, filling out your, your, you know, your your jobs um, per fortnight, going to your, going to your appointments, which I imagine were, I'm not sure how many you went to, but, or what you even talked about, but managed just a complete waste of of both of your time. Um, And then, um, you know, eventually you just um, find your own job and then you know the job agency probably tries to take credit for that and, and gets a bonus so that's when you're a stream a um, and then it sort of goes down to stream B um, which is sort of uh, which you're kind of in the sweet spot um, for help where you know you're decent background presentable can speak um, can speak English well um, but um, you just need any job or you just need you know any qualification and those and those people, Um, you know, tend to do the best in the system. And then when it really starts sucking is when you're a Stream C, um, and these Stream C's are, you know, your most disadvantaged um, people um, in the system. Um, You're long-term unemployed, and these people can be parked um, basically as well, um, you know, because, you know, no employer um, wants to hire them, you know, they might have uh, addiction issues, severe health issues, um, you know these are also the people who find it hardest um, to meet their mutual obligations so you know these are essentially the people we're seeing now who are getting you know demerit points basically for being homeless um, so that's you know that's kind of the roundup <laughs> of the system so you know really uh, you know really unhelpful um, you know for a vast majority um, of people who who get put into the service
0: now, very disappointingly something that you alluded to earlier I I think that we collectively you know the Australian collective psyche is that uh, the Liberal Party the Liberal National Coalition is the party that is uh, extremely keen on this sort of stuff Mm -hmm. extremely keen on privatization of all this kind of service extremely keen on um, you know uh, as you were saying essentially the moralization of welfare this idea that people need to need to prove that they are um, morally worthy of being helped by the state. Um, And that extends to instituting work for the Dole programs. Uh, There is an election imminent this year. I think um, we're pretty much all on the same page, that the Liberals are going to get thoroughly wrecked, and that the Labour Party will assume government once again. We... Would, we're probably all naively holding out hope that maybe the Labour Party, being uh, nominally the party of workers, would want to do away with something like Work for the Dole, <laughs> But unfortunately, it seems like they have an approach to it which is much more like their extremely cowardly position on border issues. Mm-hmm. Which is rather than doing away with this um, horrific policy that is... Purely designed and implemented to torture people, they have just said, "Oh, we're going to keep doing it, just more humanely." That kind of seems like where they're at. They have they basically just said, "Oh, we're going to, we're going to reform yeah, work yeah. for the doll." Yeah,
3: uh, uh, You know, they're they're good at using these uh, vague verbs like they're going to review, uh, new start, and they're going to uh, redesign uh, work for the doll. Was there? Uh, scare quote commitment um, to it um, which was incredibly disappointing um, you know for us so um, and me um, especially because work for the doll is really one of the issues uh, I focus on um, you know primarily uh, in the work that I do trying to campaign um, for its abolition because I've been through the program and I know how horrible it is this is a program that's um, injured um, permanently friends of mine Um, and we were lobbying and putting some, you know, what we thought was good productive pressure um, on Labour throughout 2018. Um, You know, that's when we sort of got um, Ed Husick, who was the relevant minister at the start of the year, sort of talking about uh, maybe getting rid of it just on the grounds that it was just unsafe uh, for unemployed workers to be at this site. And then sort of Terry Butler took over um, uh, the portfolio. And you might remember that story uh, that sort of came out uh, last November, where she claimed that Work for the doll under Labour was being put on the chopping block. Um, and that was, you know, in the weeks leading up to that, um, we were doing a lot, of, a lot of lobbying and trying to raise um, the awareness. So, um, you know, we were cautious, but um, we've, we felt like this was heading um, in the right direction, at least, that they were taking it seriously and there was a good chance that they would come to their senses um, and get rid of the program. But lo and behold, start of this year uh you know they announced that they're gonna keep they're gonna keep the program they're gonna keep a program that pays uh, people ten dollars a week uh to do um if you're under 50 um, up to 50 hours a fortnight um of free labor but they're gonna redesign it and we have no idea um what that word um redesign means and i've been having sadly um a lot of uh a lot of arguments Uh, online um, with with, with hardcore uh, labourites who uh, keep telling me, you know, Jeremy, you know, they sort of put their labour electoral pragmatist hat on and they say, you know, Jeremy, don't be so harsh on labour, don't put, you know, they're gonna, they just need to say they're gonna redesign it now because the coalition will really savage them if they come out for its abolition. So just be careful. Um, But as you guys might remember, um, the lesson I learned, I've already learned this lesson uh, back in thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, where everyone when labor, so when labor comes in and you know kicks out Howard, Yahoo, um, you know they were really expected, and they flagged that they would and they'd abolish uh, work for the doll. What did they do? Um it was a big surprise. They decided to reform it. Um, they took some of the teeth out of it. So you know, uh, they did make it a lot less terrible um, than it was before, and a lot less awful than Abbott has made it now. Um, but they kept the program. they kept um, you know putting people, um, unemployed workers on this site, um, you know working for working for nothing. So you know that sort of was always in the back of my mind. and it's always in the back of my mind when I sort of um, you know think about think about labor um, and their culpability, I think, um, you know, we're right to focus on how you know, fucking atrocious um, the coalition is when it comes to uh, welfare policy. But we also can't forget that um, really the concept of uh, mutual obligation, it does start with, you know, um, Keating. It does start with, um, you know, labor, um, labor in the 90s. Um, the, the whole concept of mutual obligation, um, you know, became an incredibly bipartisan um, bipartisan idea uh, when Abbott and Howard um, unroll work for the Dole in the late 90s to begin with that has bipartisan support, Labour supporting that. Um, even the unions, um, even the ACTU um, back in those days, um, you know, were vaguely supportive um, of work for the Dole. So even Labour and even our unions, um, you know, quite significantly. Um, fed in and helped um, you know really helped uh, develop the whole doll bludger narrative um, as well in the 90s so that's something uh, we, can tend to, we can tend to forget um, but I think it's really crucial um, in our current moment especially as Labour uh, is dragging their heels and refuses to raise immediately the rate of new start even though it knows people are starving um, even though it knows that 70 plus 70 plus percent of us want the raise um refusing to drag their heels refusing to drag their heels um on work for the doll so um you know i think more and more uh, more and more people are sort of uh you know waking up to the idea um now that you know across the board um i think we were under the illusion i'm not sure about you guys but i was an embarrassing Rod fan um, in 2007, and I really, I was also a oh, young, I was also a young guy. But you know, I got the Kevin A. Seven shirt, and I thought, you know, this was this was going to change politics for the better. I don't think people have that same kind of illusion uh, under mm. Shorten I don't think that guy's going to do much. Um, so I think, um, but there is, you know, a certain, you know, sensible centrist <laughs> group um, who are, um, you know, who are trying to. Uh, you know, get us to mm, take it a bit easy on the criticism and the campaigning. Um, like, we, we got into a lot of trouble with, with those types when we were sort of protesting and, and doing some stuff outside Labor Conference. Um, you know, a lot of sort of angry uh, Labor boomers, I guess, um, sort of telling us that, you know, all we were doing, we're helping the coalition. I think even Bill Shorten said that um, on stage um, at, at some protests. But, um, you I'm know, just- it's it's actually like an imp- moral imperative that we actually you know kick labor's ass and and try to um try to sway them as much as possible because that's you know it's it's the only way um to be able to get them um you know uh, to you know to commit and and change um on this you know i feel like you know i feel like we've already learned that lesson you know from from 2007 2008 um but apparently uh, some of us haven't
0: well yeah i couldn't agree more especially you know, as I was saying, you can you can really draw that parallel to all of the all of the um, offshore processing and border security stuff as well. That's that is another issue where people mm. are just constantly saying, "Oh well, you know, if Labor says they're going to soften their stance on that, then the Liberals will really go after them." So they just need to keep it up until they get into office, and then they get into office and go, "We're sure going to keep doing that thing that we promised we were going to do before we got into office." Mm. And I think that this is much the same. There is absolutely no reason to believe that if they're going to say, we're going to keep work for the Dole and we're going to, you know, keep all these terrible conditions, that they're going to get into office and magically turn around and, uh, and flip it. So, I thought perhaps we could round out with a little reading from a piece that we saw a week or two ago, which, um... Which, apart from being very funny for how dumb it is, uh, is also, I think, very representative of what, I guess, what Australian media thinks is a reasonable thing to publish uh, when it comes to unemployed people. This is from a particularly shitty... Uh, masthead called uh, Rendezvous, which I think runs in a lot of different. I think it's pronounced Rendez Rendezvous. 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 By a lady called Kylie Lang, who writes. Uh, the headline is "The Bludgers Taking Us All for a Ride." Uh, now, just for international audiences, a bludger, <laughs> I guess, is um, is a a bum. Somebody somebody lazy, itinerant, I guess. It's so like a,
1: a slacker, but with none of the, like, fun, cool connotations. Uh, you yeah. hate them because they're a, a social parasite, and they are sneaking to your house and, and taking all your coins. Hmm. Uh, and from using you, a to- hard-working person who uh, makes money from dividends? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right, yeah. yeah. When you that- make... Two hundred thousand dollars a year, finding a new way to sell illegal diet pills. Uh, they're taking one millionth of a percent of every dollar, and they're spending it on McDonald's.
0: Fucking bludgers. Yeah. They, so, um, you, you call so them welfare
3: I... queens in the in in the US? Like it's sort of a yeah. it's sort, of a, yeah, it's it's sort it of a it's sort of a bogeyman that you know is quite universal, but the real Aussie real Aussie visage of it. Um, especially in the '90s, was your sort of long-haired, um, you know, long-haired dude, shirt off, you know, mullet, rat tail, yeah. probably like you, probably looking like fifteen-year-old Commodore, um, yeah, like uh, you know, lazing, <laughs> laze, lazing, <laughs> lazing, <laughs> on, lazing, lazing on the beach, like smoking, you know, smoking bongs. That was sort of like your quintessential um, yeah. you know, original Bludger image, and it really hasn't, um, really hasn't changed, as I'm sure we're about to hear from S- this this lovely young, this lovely young lady. Oh, I think-
1: if you want a very clear idea, uh, I would recommend there's this fantastic uh, documentary, an Australian documentary from 2000 called uh, The Wog Boy. Uh, <laughs> it'll give you a, a great idea of what I'm talking about.
0: So, uh, so let's see what Kylie has to say about, um, about an interaction she had which definitely 100% occurred in real life. This, folks, is a real thing that happened. This is based on a true story. Kylie writes, Bludges make my blood boil. And the sooner Australia tightens its joke of a welfare system, the better. Kylie immediately sounds like she knows what she's talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, All the
2: stats are in hand.
0: (laughs) All the stats are in (laughs) hand. If there's anything very across... um, Very across Australia's extremely loose welfare system. I'm not talking about battlers who are genuinely trying to get ahead and failing or who want to work but can't. Society must support its most vulnerable members. All right. Now that we got that out of the way. Mm -hmm. Which we're not
2: doing. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, It's loafers who openly wrought the system bragging about how good they've got it and what a bunch of suckers the rest of us are who anger me, especially when our taxes are funding their idle lifestyles. Take the grubs in coals at Toomble in Brisbane's North. Brisbane. Typical. Brisbane's North, mid-morning one day this week. Waiting in the 12 items or less lane... (laughs) I, she doesn't say how many items they no,
2: had. No, obviously uh, angling for that, but, but didn't really want to, like, the, follow There's through a suggestion
0: on that. that they had 25 items. Um, waiting in the 12 items or less lane, one twenty something who'd never encountered a hairbrush began grumbling <laughs> to her shoeless friend about how slow it was to check out. So, like, we've immediately gone to appearances here. Mm. Never encountered a hairbrush. Can much.
1: I just say three words at this juncture? Mm-hmm. Barefoot is legal.
0: It is absolutely barefoot legal. is barefoot. legal,
2: uh, and and additionally, uh, nobody under the age of seven hundred uses the twelve items or less lane anymore. So this this story is obviously false on its face because everybody uses the self checkout um, lane now. So. There is absolutely no chance that a 20-something-year-old is in a 12 arms or less lane.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, there were a number of customers ahead of the pair, but so what? Where were they going in such a hurry? Certainly not back to work. And where are you? <clears throat> well, yeah, I, I, I feel like <laughs> she's... She's sort of... She is a disembodied... She has, like, astrally projected herself here <laughs> from the office, you know? She's working very, very hard at the office.
2: Just communing with doll bludgers and like, in the in the matrix.
0: Well, there's so many, there's so many bits in here where I'm just like, yeah, like there, there's there's no point in here in which she seems to stop for even the slightest of seconds and say, maybe I don't fucking know these people. Like, maybe these maybe these people are all like the the um to like rich venture capitalist dipshits who who like you know spend spend like 51 weeks of the year working 120 hours uh, a week with somebody else's money and then for like one week of the year they go all right it's off into the mountains to pretend that we're dirty hippies maybe they are you don't fucking know these people you don't know what they're doing in their life or whatever they could be on holiday who gives a shit absolutely none of your business the lady's not wearing shoes who gives a fuck yet with the insufferable inconvenience of having to wait her turn she upped the volume on her whining rattling the checkout operator who was doing her best to be quick they say misery loves company and right about then another shopper who seemed to know the pair sidled up and joined in the rant Never thought it'd be so busy this time of the morning. Hurry the fuck up, she shouted. I've got places to be. Yeah, like on your couch, guffawed another. Hey, said the other. It's better than fucking working for a living. <laughs> this, this is the most this did not happen story that I think I've ever seen written. And that
2: checkout girl's name. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's right. It's Albert (laughs) (laughs) Einstein. How many passes do you reckon it took before she changed that line of dialogue from It Beats Working, or to It Beats Working for a Living from I am a doll bludger?
0: I do not. I do not work. That's why I'm here in the supermarket. It really reminds me of those, like, uh,
3: those, like, 50s, sort of, like, uh, 60s, like, black and white. Um, you know, basically like social propaganda films and just like the dialogue between like the, yeah, like the, the dialogue between oh, like, like the, the naughty teens and yeah. whoever's doing oh, yeah. a bad thing is just so like fucking like stilted, um, and, and, and terrible. It's like, she's just like created one of those, um, you know, like
0: fevered brain.
3: I love denying Christ and <laughs> abusing the welfare state.
0: Yes. <laughs> well, the writing, the writing itself is so stilted. Cue raucous laughter, sea bombs, and figurative backslapping. Figurative. These women were so <laughs> hilarious. They, <laughs> these women were so hilarious. They should join the <laughs> comedy circuit. <laughs> that thing we all say all the time.
1: Raucous laughter and sea bombs. It's just like when someone says something funny, you just start yelling "cunt" as loud as you can. Yes.
0: <laughs> So so she goes on a bit about, like, uh, what's to be done? What's to be done about these people? Um, I immediately called the police and the manager, blah, blah, blah. Um, so what is being done about deadbeats who refuse to work and mock the very system that carries them? The federal government last year announced several plans to close loopholes and increase accountability, but many are still being blocked by labor and... Dun-dun-dun... The Greens... In August it redrafted legislation which had been going nowhere in the Senate to try and stop job seekers in scare quotes for some reason deliberately applying for positions for which they were monumentally underqualified and had no hope of securing. So she's she's already supporting this this scheme that requires you to apply for 20 jobs a month regardless of what they are or your suitability for them. But she also wants to make sure that people are prevented from qualifying for jobs that they are not likely to be given.
1: It's amazing that people have this idea in their minds that there's just infinite jobs. That, like, for every one person,
3: there is an available job in every field. It is bizarre. But if you look at like uh, like you know uh, you know our uh, current prime minister Scott Morrison just uh, this week last week every 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 damn week he's talking you know he 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 beats his chest um, about the coalition's um, supposed amazing incredible uh, job creation statistics which I think is like a really important part and like feeds you know this kind of like dipshit narrative is when you sort of see him you know saying that you know, there's never been more Australians employed than there are now, um, that they've created a million jobs, um, which, by there's the way, is true. There's never been Yes. Job creation is going, like, perfectly in line with general population growth. Um, that is true. He, he does make sure never to quite mention uh, how many hours a week um, these jobs are because most of them are part-time. We're seeing a big full-time job um, decline. But, like, my you know, my point is... Um, you know, it seems ludicrous, um, you know, for us, maybe on one side of politics or, you know, uh, certain class in society. But, um, you know, uh, to give, um, you know, to try and get inside this woman's brain, um, if, if that's what you're seeing, um, it makes it look incredibly easy. Uh, it makes it look like jobs are just like, you know, fallen, fallen from the sky, um, you know, that you basically have to shun uh, shun work um, to remain, uh, unemployed. Um, so that's really like, you know, it seems, you know, we, we all sort of like, you know, dunk on, on politicians who sort of say all this stuff, but you know, that rhetoric does, you know, is effective. Um, the certain brain, um, uh, like, like this one, uh, making it seem that, you know, there's so many jobs they are so easy to get. Um, you know, if these guys stopped guffawing, uh, uh, in, in supermarkets, um, uh, you know, that would be fine.
0: Well, like it, like I said, it just it just stuns me this idea that, like, like you said, I mean, even the idea that there is anybody out there who is being offered multiple jobs and saying that one doesn't suit me and that one doesn't pay enough, yeah, and I job snobs, refuse to take it, yeah, as though that is a thing that exists, like, you know, that Tony Abbott was always out there saying, oh, well, we got to stop you know, we have got to get people into work and stop them from trying to pick and choose and saying and which of course was the genesis of his whole kind of oh if you're unemployed in tasmania you should move to like a a food bowl in western australia and work there Mm. those people like i can't pay my fucking rent how am i supposed to move to the other side of the country yeah like
2: i'm left with a with a house that's worth you know 100 grand less than when i bought it because the mining boom has not been managed at all and entire fucking communities have just been decimated because jobs come and jobs go according to like the private market and like no no long-term planning whatsoever but i'm expected to pick up and move sell my house for less than i bought it for and move across the country for a job that i that may not even be permanent or full-time or or uh, any of those things right like it's it's ludicrous
0: Uh, You might be shocked to find that this lady is also in favor of drug testing uh, Newstart recipients. Um, She is dismayed to find that this is unlikely to be passed. She says, On the upside, gains have been made. In 2018, the government clawed back $61 million from more than 26,000 Centrelink fraudsters. Um, She goes on, though, to say, uh, at a later point in this... ...consider also the high number of non-working households in this country... ...compared to the rest of the developed world... the one in four Australians receives benefits of some kind... I ...notice she has, helpfully, hasn't factored in, like... ...you know, retirees and people getting franking benefits... ...and all that kind of shit... Um, ...and that generational unemployment is a growing problem... ...with one in ten dependent children living in a family... ...where no one is employed, according to the Australian Bureau of Statistics... Why work when mum or dad didn't? It's like, how... How do you simultaneously raise the concept of intergenerational poverty... (laughs) And also very clearly state that you have absolutely... Like, no... No understanding of the concept whatsoever.
1: I think one of the things that's really pissing me off here... Is that she's so angry at the concept of people... You know not doing hard work and she is getting paid to write about standing in line at checkout it's not a real job it's not real work it's not a thing it's not productive in any way it doesn't provide value to society in any fashion this isn't work it's not hard like it's just such a, a perverse thing that these people see themselves as like these they're honest hard-working, hard-done-by, battling people of the country when it's like, what do you even do? You sit at a typewriter and you're like, oh, someone with hair was loud around me at the shops earlier. I'm going to spend 12
0: hours <laughs> I'm on extremely this. Extremely mad about it now. Fucking just... Ugh.
3: It's wild that she, you know, manages to, uh, you know, she puts a sort of finger on the on a point here about, like, intergenerational <laughs> structural... Uh, unemployment. um, And like, you know, and that's like, oh, wow, great. She's, you know, actually, you know, and she read some ABS data. Fantastic. Um, Finally, like three quarters of the way through the piece. Um, (laughs) But then um, I'm assuming um, is basically boiling down uh, multi-generational structural uh, poverty and disadvantage as an individual choice uh, stoners are making. Uh, in a a supermarket is that where we're going?
0: well even the suggestion that like yeah if you're if no one in your family worked then you will just look at that and say oh well why should I have a job as opposed to say you know maybe maybe the reasons that no one in this family was working was like mental illness or illiteracy or disability or like any of the Hmm. range of issues that cause that sort of stuff in families which then has all the run-on effects of you know no one in your household was able to help you obtain an education which could then help you to get a job and maybe you were in a position where you were then immediately like uh, supporting everybody in your family And don't actually have the capacity or the time to go out and, you know, get get the abilities that you would need to go out and seek a job. Let's not ask any of those sorts of questions. The most important question is, um, why work when mum or dad didn't? And again, she's mm. she's always, like, so close to getting this stuff. It's important for governments to invest in education, training, and other initiatives to get people in jobs, but it is not a panacea for a culture of bludging that has become entrenched. Which is really weird to simultaneously hold that kind of view. And also support a government which is constantly saying things like, more Australians have been em- are currently employed than ever before. It's Like, so which one is it? Do we have a massive entrenched culture of bludging from all these people who don't want to work or are more people currently employed than have ever been at any point in the country's history? Uh, Taxpayers don't deserve to be taken for mugs. Like all Australians, they deserve a fair go. Kylie Lang is a Courier Mail associate editor. You can find her on Twitter at Kylie underscore Lang if you would like to give us some feedback about this article. Mm, I would encourage it. So um, that brings us to the end of our time, folks. We would like to thank Jeremy for joining us.
3: Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. been a pleasure.
0: You're very welcome. Um, you can find some of Jeremy's writing on this topic uh, at Crikey, crikey.com.au. Uh, he had a very good roundup of these issues at the end of last year. Um, and, of course, you can look into the Australian Unemployed Workers' Union, who I believe are on uh, Twitter. What's the, what's the old Twitter handle? Those
3: guys. uh it's at oz underscore uh, unemployment um and yeah keep you know give us a give us a follow look at our website unemployedworkersunion.com um, one thing I you know probably should have mentioned earlier especially about that labor um, you know especially that conversation we're having about the labor party is um you know given that it's so likely that they're going to be in power you know we're really going to be ramping up um, some of our campaigning especially around um, sort of election time. Basically, trying to show that uh, in marginal seats they're going to lose, uh, they're going to lose votes if they, you know, by dragging their heels, uh, especially on raising new start um, and 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 not ending work for the doll and those sorts of things. So, um, encourage people to um, get involved in those campaigns.
0: Yes, and we we also would absolutely encourage people to check that out and see what you can do to contribute to that effort because we also really agree that. Um, I think kind of the worst thing that we can collectively be doing at the moment is just taking for granted that Labour are going to win the next election and all just kind of sitting back and going, well, at least it's not the Liberals, as opposed to actually trying to, you know, pull them further to the left on some of these issues, which is really where they should be. Um, As always, thank you for listening. If you would like an extra episode of the show every week, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash Punta Vista. Become a premium subscriber. Primo. For uh, five bucks a month. Five yeah, American dollars. I think
2: we've got half. some good content coming up about um, Ben's thoughts on circumcision rights. Um, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. we're recording court. that coming in, so uh, ch- check that out. Yeah. Uh, so until next week... Uh, thank you very much and we'll see you then. Thanks everybody. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.